God has really just put upon my heart to kind of jump off of, last time I spoke about the kingdom of God being released through Father's heart, and I kind of want to stay in that vein, um, but what you really saw this morning is really what I'm talking about this morning, and it's, it's restoring a culture of honor, and where the spirit just is free to flow. Now, I love when Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost and he quotes from Joel and he says, he says, your sons and your daughters, they will prophesy. Even upon your men servants and upon your maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And that, this, and that Peter is saying, that scripture, that's what this is right now. This is what you are hearing. You are hearing the words of God going forth through everyone, through everyone that he comes upon and comes in. And that this is truly what God has intended for us from the beginning for you to walk in. This is, Peter's saying, this is the normal Christian life. You might be confused about it. It might look a little weird. I think, uh, what's going on here? But he said, this is God. And God is wanting to grab hold of your hearts, and he wants his word to spread. And I just, I, I love, I, I just love being a part of the kingdom of God, and I got to be a part of it also, uh, an expression of it at camp. I know I shared a couple things about camp last time. I want to share a couple more. Um, I had a lot of great experiences at camp. And uh, some were maybe not as great as others. <laughs> Uh, staying in, in, a, in a very small room with 24 other young men was interesting at times. But I, I'm, I'm glad for it. I, I, was, I really enjoyed being there. But it was funny. So one of the first nights we, we were there, a gentleman comes up to me and says, Oh, I'm so glad to see somebody else with gray hair. <laughs> I was like, Wow, okay. Yeah, my name is Jim. Nice to meet you. Uh, and it was, it, was, it was kind of funny, but kind of like, well, yeah, there is a difference here. And, and I definitely felt it, okay? Uh, I felt all of my 56 years, and, and I was, but I was really happy. I'm so thankful to be there. But I want to tell you, so another night, there was one of the speakers, and he was t- teaching about, about the old man and the new man. Right, our old man before Christ, and then our new man after Christ. And he he was asking the question, and he said, "Where's the old man?" And actually, one of the guys said, "Right there," and he pointed to me. <laughs> like if I didn't feel self-conscious enough, <laughs> hey, there's the old man right there. And I was like, oh, wow, really? Okay. <laughs> but I will say, I am so thankful God had placed me there. I, feel he, I really feel that like God placed me there. Because he was wanting to just download things to me. And, and I shared last time, uh, there was some different things that happened during worship. It was just so profound. And... Uh, ended up singing. I'm, I'm standing up front with all of these Gen Zers, uh, and they're all singing. 
And, and I just, I, I love the phrase. It's just so good. Gen Z will be holy, set apart for the Lord. You know, and they're singing it, and there was such passion in their hearts. And I was, I was undone. And I was like, thank you, God, for putting me here. I want to be a part of helping them, helping them go. You need to go. Go. Be holy, set apart for the Lord. I, I, was so, I was so enraptured in what God was doing. And I felt like the Lord was saying, yes, you're supposed to be here. That's how I ordained this whole kingdom. That my kingdom is not about separation of the generations. And I know maybe I'm getting into what they're going to be doing in, in a couple weeks with Grandparents' Day. But there's not to be this separation of the generations. In fact, the spirit of this age is all about that. We label the different generations. You know, we, we have the, the labels of each one. We have the boomers and the busters or Gen Xers. And then you have the millennials and you have Gen Zs. You have, you have these generations. And then they'll, they'll say, well, you know, these, this, can't, this, this generation can't work with this one because of this and this. That, that, that. No, that's not God. That's not God at all. That it, it's the world's way to dismiss generations because you're not in the gener you're not in that generation. It's God's way to release a generation, to work with a generation, and to recognize the strengths of each generation. Man, that that is the kingdom of God, and that's where. When in Malachi, and I, I spoke on this last time, Malachi prophesies for the kingdom come, and he says, now this is what the kingdom come is going to look like. That there will be a turning of hearts to the fathers, and the turning of the hearts of the children to the fathers, and the fathers to the children. A turning of hearts, he says. And Malachi, and I talked about this last time, Malachi really boils it down to this turning of hearts is really in the area of honor. Honor is really the currency of this turning of hearts. He says, you know, you have one father. He's talking to the Israelites. You, you have one father, but you don't honor me. You're saying, that needs to change. That, that you've turned your heart away from me. And that this new kingdom... The hearts of the sons will be turned to the father. And the hearts of the fathers will be turned to the sons. And that honor will be displayed in my kingdom. And that's where kingdom comes. That Jesus, when he goes into Nazareth, remember he goes into Nazareth, and we can turn there quickly. <laughs> uh, in Mark, Mark chapter 6, Jesus goes back to Nazareth, and he reads scripture, right? Remember this? He reads from Isaiah, he, the book of the scroll. He reads from Isaiah 61. Spirit of the Lord, God's palm me. Uh, and it says, the people there, and it says in verse 2, Mark chapter 6, verse 2, when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many listeners were astonished, saying, where did this man get this, these things? And what... What is this wisdom given to him in such miracles as he's performed by his hands? Where did they go? They, they started answering these questions, asking these questions, and then they go, we'll go to the natural. 
So they went right to the flesh. They went right to what they experienced in the natural. Uh, is this not the carpenter? Is this not the son of Mary? Is it, and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us, right here? And they took offense because of what they had seen in the natural, yes. right? Yes. Jesus sees what's happening. He hears what they're saying, and he says to them, a prophet is not without honor and except his own hometown and among his own relatives and his own household. Wow. And then we get the summary of his experience at Nazareth, and it says, and he could do no miracle there except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Well, I'll still take that. But, but what was intended for Nazareth could not be received because they would not honor him. Wow. Wait, God, isn't God the God of the impossible? He totally is. But he doesn't blow past our desire. He doesn't like, I'm going to give you what you need regardless of whether you want it or not. That's not God. And so they didn't receive a lot of the things they could have received from Christ if they would have just honored him for who he truly was. And Jesus would even say, uh, as he's telling the, or teaching the disciples and, and telling them, okay, I want you to go out. I want you to take this kingdom. I want you to take this kingdom all around. And, and wherever you go, you know, that they're going to receive you. And if they don't receive you, then just shake the dust off your feet and go to the next place. Yeah. Somebody, somebody's going to receive you. Right. Yeah. And then he says, uh, he says, if, you, if someone receives a prophet in the name of a prophet, yes. they will receive a prophet's reward. Right? right. right? Yeah. So Ashton would sit here and she would listen to people operating in the prophetic. You know what she could do? She could, sit, she could have sat here and said, oh, I'm not going to listen to them. Right. Oh, I know them. Eh, they, they don't really have it, right? Or she could have had, she had, had experiences in the past with whatever person. Say, well, yeah, you know, they, they said this to me before, and they didn't like my dress, you know, a couple weeks ago, and I'm just going to receive that. Yeah. Okay. And then that word just sat. Now I didn't receive that word because I didn't honor the word. I didn't honor that person. Right. I didn't honor what the gift of God was that was sitting right in front of me and that was releasing what God wanted spoken. And so there is this direct correlation between what God can do and does with honor, isn't there? Yes. That's what Jesus was telling us. And in that, that there is this, this atmosphere that Malachi is saying that there needs to be a restoration of honor for the kingdom of God to really accomplish what it needs to accomplish. And then I mentioned this also, that Jesus comes at the tail end of John the Baptist's ministry as John the Baptist was baptizing for water, in water for repentance. Turn your heart, turn your heart, turn your heart. That's what John the Baptist was saying. Turn your heart towards God. Then Jesus shows up yes. as the prototype of sonship. And Jesus shows up, and he's about to be, and he gets back, gets down in the water, and he says, I want to be baptized. And John the Baptist is like, no, 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 no. I do not need to baptize you. You know, you're going to baptize in spirit and fire. I need to be baptized by you. And that's, what, that's even what John wanted. But that was John, John's calling was to do the baptism. So pointing to Jesus, and says, Jesus says, no, 
so that all things are fulfilled, Jesus says. Jesus didn't need He didn't have repentance for sin. He didn't need it. But he was demonstrating sonship. Yes. Perfect sonship. So he walks in this fulfillment. He gets baptized. Boosh. You know, he comes up out of the water. Then the Father then responds. So Jesus honors the Father. I will do as the Father desires. I always do what the Father does. That's what Jesus would say. You know, I will respond to the Father. I will honor the Father in my life. And then the Father sees Jesus, and not just because of what he did, but sees Jesus, his son, and that the Father responds to the Son, turns his heart to the Son. This is my Son, whom I love, in him I am well pleased. Cut to the chase, God is hitting three major things that we need for honor. And it's identity, significance, and calling or purpose. Identity, significance, and purpose. And that when we, when we want to honor someone, this is where we go a lot of times. That we need to, we, we speak who this person is in our life, what their identity is. I had a young man that busts my heart come up to me this morning. He's like, thank you for being such a spiritual father in my life. That was honor. Yes. He, yes. But... I had identity because of what he gave me. He actually gave me identity. And that I I say, I need you as a son. And that when we when we want to restore honor, that this is what we're what we come to. We come to this place of I see who you are, I need you. I'm excited for the gift of God who he created you to be and what he is going to release. I see these gifts in you. I see these things God wants to do. And that this, this then gives honor. And I, I hear this in so many different lives and stories in Scripture. And I wish I could do more of them. I really don't think I can get to all of them. Uh, but Jesus, <laughs> I was just thinking of when they came to Jesus... And I know that I'm backtracking a little bit. Jesus had just walked on water, and then he went to Gennesaret. And actually, people—they were people—found out that Jesus, you know, if you touch the hem of his garment, that you yeah. could be healed. Yeah. And so it wasn't just the one woman that was. There's, you know, we have we have here also that the people were coming. Many people were coming just to grab hold of him and be healed. And it says, and every one of them that touched him were healed. Okay, so you have so you have Jesus walking on water, even calms the storm. He touches people are touching. They're getting healed. You know, you you have this amazing kingdom of God and the Pharisees and scribe come out and talk to him and they say, hey, your disciples don't wash their hands. They don't wash their hands before they eat. We can't receive from you. Dirty, unclean. And that's just incredible to you. This is incredible to me. And then Jesus would then say, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They, they don't understand even what is being played before them. What's going on right here? That the Father is calling you. And all you can see is the minutia. All you can see with these, these, un, these dirty hands. I think that there are times when we, as 
believers in Christ can do similar things with people in our lives. And we can discount what God is saying or doing just because we didn't like the vessel. Is God using you because you're perfect? Thank God, no. You can use a jackass, right? We, we know that. This is scripture. That this is, Jim, how dare you say that? He, this is what he does. He can use anyone. He chooses to use us, all of us. And it's so great for us to recognize, even in places where we thought, nope, can't do that anymore. Oh, he can't use that person anymore. All of a sudden, boom, whoa, what was that? Where did that come from? That was incredible. Thank you so much. Okay, so I got to go here. Uh, the Lord was really bringing this back to my attention. First Chronicles 15. And I, I totally see this as a picture of, of restoring the kingdom. It, it gives us glimpses in the Old Testament of what God wanted his people walking into. And so we see this is the time when David is, is king and he's been serving as king in Hebron for seven and a half years and that he moves to Jerusalem and then he realizes, I need to have, we need to have the ark of God here. And he actually says, you know, we did not pursue the ark of God or we did not seek even the presence of God all the time of Saul. Because, well, the Philistines had it for a long time and then they couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle the presence of God because they didn't understand it. And so they sent it away. And then it ended up in, in uh, Abinadab's house for more than 20 years. And so then finally we know it. The, David, David says, we got to get this thing. And we got to bring it to us. And so he made a plan, got some Levites. Gonna, okay, we're going to put it on a cart. Because that's kind of how it actually came to Israel back from the Philistines. Maybe they thought that was a good idea. And... Put it on a cart. You know the story. Most of you know the story. They're bringing the cart, the, the ark on the cart, and the cart begins to wobble, and Uzzah pulls his hand and touches the cart, touches the ark, treating it as common, as actually not set apart, as yeah. unholy. He's treating it as unholy. Yes. And he's struck down right there. Yeah. What well, says David got so upset. <laughs> God, this is what we were supposed to do. I, I, I know you're supposed to be in Jerusalem. And he was, he was really angry about it. And so it took him like six months to get over this and actually to learn about why this happened. And he went through the scriptures and he realized, wait a second, we weren't doing this right. Now David built houses for himself in the city of David, and he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Then David said, no one is to carry the ark of God but the Levites. For the Lord chose them to carry the ark of God to minister to him forever. You know what I see in this? I love this, that the Levites are, could, could you as a Levite maybe say, wow, I guess the Lord doesn't want the Levites I guess the curse is on the Levites. I guess we shouldn't have anything to do with the presence anymore. And then David takes him back to say, no, this is what God says. God says that you are to carry the ark and to minister to him forever. 
Okay, you need to circle that word, forever. How long is that? Forever. <laughs> What's the Hebrew on that? Forever. Eternal. Never ending. That's how long the Levites will be ministering unto the Lord. Woo, woo. The Levites are from the, from the tribe of Levi, and they are a priesthood that minister. This is their first job to minister unto God. Oh, yes. Okay. So David says, okay, no, you Levites, you're going to do. You're going to take your position. You're going to do what you need to do. And what I love about this is that David gathered, um, gathered, gathers all Israel in verse 4. He gathered the sons of Aaron and the Levites, sons of Kohath, sons of Merari, sons of Gershom, sons of Eliphaz, sons of Hebron, sons of Uziel, uh, Aminadab, the chief, and 112 of his... David, in verse 11, David called for Zadok and Abiathar, the priests, and for the Levites. Didn't say sons of Levites there, right? So he calls for the Levites, for Uriel, Isaiah, Joel, Shemaiah, Eliel, Aminadab, and said to them, wait, he says to them, you are the heads of the fathers' households of the Levites. What is he saying? You are the fathers. You are the fathers of these households. You are the heads of these households. What are they to do? They're to consecrate themselves. Israel to the place that I have prepared for it. You're to do this. You're to walk in your calling, what God has said you to do. This is your identity. You will do this. And he says to the fathers, I want you fathers to get your sons ready to do what they need to do. So, this, so they, they restore the Levitical priesthood. Because you did not carry it at first, the Lord our God made an outburst on us, for we did not seek him according to his ways according to his own desires. So the priests and the Levites consecrated themselves and bring up the ark of God, the God of Israel. And verse 15, the sons of the Levites carry the ark. Now, we see how the, he said Levites, Levites, Levites a number of times. And now in this one, when he says they're carrying, who's carrying it? The sons of the Levites. Isn't that good? So the sons of the Levites carry the ark of God on their shoulders with the poles thereon as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. And David spoke to the chiefs of the Levites to appoint their relatives. And so that is not quite enough for you, Levites. I really have more things for you to do. And that he begins to appoint singers and instrument, uh, instruments of music, harps and lyres, loud sounding cymbals, raising sounds of joy. So the Levites appointed all these people above, uh, or, you know, Heman and uh, Asaph and Berechiah, and we have a whole bunch of song, psalms about these, these, these men. And so he puts them in charge of the worship. And then, in fact, David then appoints, will then appoint 4,000 singers and worshiper Levites to continually praise the Lord. Wow. You thought that your ministry was over Levites? Okay, this is what you're going to do, and this is how far we're going. Isn't it so good that we get a glimpse in the Old Testament of what God's kingdom looks like, and he says, this is where you are going, continually worshiping unto the Lord to minister to him. <laughs> and so let's go to verse 25. So it was 
David with the elders of Israel, the fathers, and the captains over thousands who went to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord from the house of Obed-Edom with joy. Right? Because Obed-Edom's house was just blessed and everything, and we, we know about this. And actually, Obed-Edom was just pulled right in to all the worshipers. Because God, and it says that they were bringing them with joy because God was helping the Levites who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And they sacrificed seven bulls and seven rams. And David was clothed with robe of fine linen, linen ephod with all the Levites who were carrying the Ark. And the singers and Kenaniah and the leader were singing with the singers. And David also wore the ephod of linen. And thus, the Thus all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouting, with the sound of horn, with trumpets, with loud sounding cymbals, with harps, with lyres. And it happened when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the city that David, uh, that Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window and she saw King David, her husband, leaping and celebrating. And it says in Samuel, it says that he was dancing with all his might, with all his heart. It's a parallel passage. And we see this whole picture. But I see in this picture of this heart of the fathers restoring to the sons and the sons restoring to the fathers, that the fathers are seeing, yes, our sons should carry the presence of God. They should go. They should minister unto the Lord. They should give their all to him, that this is what we are for. This is the kingdom. This is our kingdom, the kingdom of Israel. Wow. This is what we now have been brought into as sons of God, that Jesus actually paved the way that we become, as Peter would say, a royal, a royal priesthood, a people for God's own possession, a holy nation, that you and I are all now brought into this priesthood to do all of these things that the Levites had done to usher in the presence of the Lord, that we would be people of the presence and they will minister to me forever. Okay, I'm excited about it. So my point, though, <laughs> as, as we were at camp, I was just reminded again, don't minimize where I'm coming from. And in fact, celebrate where I'm coming from. Regardless of whatever package it might be, whatever way that it's happening, that you need to realize that I want to do things that go beyond the what has been done before. And in fact, Moses, uh, God, would, God would reveal himself to Moses as Yahweh, right? And he would say to Moses, I didn't, I didn't even give my name to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That wasn't until right now that I gave you Yahweh. Whoa. That God continues to reveal himself, and he wants to reveal himself in new ways. And, oh, God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do to reveal yourself through Gen Z. Right? That's how we need to come to these, these moments in history and to receive them and to say, okay, God, I'm looking forward to what you're going to do. That's cool. I want to be a part of this restoring of honor, this, this culture of restoring of honor. And that's, I never did give my title. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> it's, oh, did I? Restoring a culture of honor. That's the title of this morning. 
restoring a culture of honor. Uh, and it really is through those three ways is restoring that culture of honor. And we do it, we do it with restoring identity, restoring significance, and restoring purpose. And I see that completely here in this story. That, that this is what God has intended for us to come into as, as his instruments in the earth. And that we do this for one another. Now, he, he helps us with our identity, right? I come to the Lord every morning, and he helps me with my own identity. I'll come in and, oh, God, oh, I, I'm, I'm not sure about today, you know. And, but, but, but I come to my good, good father. And my good, good father, he begins to release words of life, words of eternity, things that I can stand on all the time, and it never changes. It doesn't shake. And so I come to him, and then I'm helped. I'm strengthened. I'm strengthened in his presence, right? And that then I am changed into more, more and more. As I look upon him and gaze upon his face, I am changed and transformed more and more into him. He doesn't change. I, the Lord, do not change. I need to change, and that's fine. I can change. I don't care. I'm 56. I can still change. I, I need to. I need to be changed more into the likeness of Christ. If there's anything that doesn't line up with who he is, then it needs to change. And I just need to be okay with it. I know that people in general, everybody says, oh, everybody is resistant to change. Well, yeah, I guess we are. But we need not be. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to change us and remake us and reform us. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that happens in his presence as he's downloading the washing of the water of his word in his presence as I hear his heart and what he intends for me to walk in, and then I am changed. That's a good thing to do every day. <laughs> but Lord God, let us not diminish what you are doing because we're not sure about the package. Oh, it was so cool. At camp, one of the things that happened, uh, one of the last days, on the third day, it was, sorry, this guy. Um, <laughs> there was a worship time, and they were singing a song, and I guess the youth probably, if they were in here, they could tell me what the song was. But it was about Jesus coming in. And it wasn't Jesus coming in the room. It was a different song. But it was kind of like that. It was all about Jesus coming. Well, spontaneously, the kids started getting up. And they would stand. There was a center aisle. All the kids started lining up in the aisle. They were standing up in the aisle. And they just started going like this. <laughs> and I saw one of our youngest kids. Uh, well, he's out there. But mom and dad, I don't see mom and dad. It was Isaiah Guess. Isaiah Guess, he's, he's kind of a, one of our youngest ones. I see I, Isaiah go, he's like up in the front. He's all the way up in the front, and he's in the aisle, and he's all into it. And he is, he is glorifying God, praising him. And I, I'm, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. This is so good. And so the Lord's just, you know, overwhelming me. And I kind of look down for a minute. And then I look back, and I thought he was gone. And then I see him on his face. And he's still waving his hands. I was like, God, I'm so thankful. You work where you want to work, right? It's his kingdom come. He come, it comes as he wants it to come. 
Not as it has to come in the way I think it has to come. Well, it's got to come from the stage, and it comes down, and it you know, goes like this. No, it was actually coming from there, and then going up there. It was beautiful, and I was undone. I'm so thankful that, that God is not limited by our limitations or our paradigms or how it has to be or this way that we need to receive. It's okay to receive methodology from the younger generations. I have to learn that. My way is not the best way all the time. That there are okay, that the sons and daughters will prophesy about new things and new ways and new methodologies. Okay. But it's not like I, I really know those methodologies. It's okay. I can still work, Jim. Sean Key. Let me give you just a couple more stories. Uh, Sean Key. Big hair. Okay, everybody knows Sean? That's how he was known at camp, right? Big hair. Sean Key is awesome. Uh, Sean, Sean actually went up first night, and he went up to the uh, worship team and gave them a word. He, he had written it down, and then he, he just said, hey, I think I, I got this for you guys while we, while we were worshiping. And I'm like, oh, okay, thanks, thanks, appreciate it. Okay, we didn't think too much about it. He was pretty excited about it. Oh, yeah, I gave a word to the worship team. I was like, oh, that's great, Sean, great job. We didn't actually even go into it. We didn't have time. Or I don't know what we were doing. The next morning, we were in our leaders' meeting. And the leaders' meeting has the worship team in there. And we were all sharing things that happened at the night. And one of the worship team goes, you know, one of these kids, you know, big hair, he came up and he gave me this word. And he began reading the word. And the word was, was you all... You all are instruments in the Lord's hands, but you are instruments that he never puts down. And it gasped. The whole room, there was, you know, 50 of us or more leaders in this room, and there's all just a, <gasps> and we received just an impartation from the Lord, right? It was so, it was so good. And in fact, the pastor that was, was leading the whole thing, he stumbled back, and it was like leaning up against the wall. Like, it was, it was hitting that hard. It was thinking, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. That is the truth. That is not just some, some you know, happy day phrase. Oh, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. You know? Pollyanna. My word is a fire and a hammer that comes through the sons and the daughters of God. That they stand up and they take their place in God's kingdom. That they had received the spirit just like we did, Peter would say. Who? Arise, O God, in these days. i got to tell you one more story. Yeah, I can't go into any more stories, uh, scripture stories, but they're awesome. Okay. I was going to do Ruth and Naomi. You would have loved it. <laughs> Jesus and Zacchaeus. Woo! It would have been so good. Okay. So before COVID hit and, and all these different th things, um, I remember praying with Valerie and my son Judah was there. And we actually had 
prayer. Uh, I, I guess it was like on Facebook. We were doing just kind of live prayer together too. And we were praying, and we typically pray for things and things that are going on, and we were praying. We were praying about COVID, and then we were praying about cancer and praying over these things, and God would be breaking these things off. Of, and as we were praying, Judah says, oh, wait, wait, I get this, I got, I got this, this, I get this picture, and he's like, the big, uh, the little C bows to the big C. The little C, and then he said, the little C's bow to the big C's. And he's like, so COVID and cancer, they bow to Christ. And so we were, right, and so we were in prayer, and that's exactly right. We were like, yeah, yeah, it bows, you know, we were all into it. Fast forward a few months, and then my wife gets a diagnosis of cancer. You know, one of the things that we kept coming back to and saying when we were in prayer, we were speaking those words that my son had prophesied, had spoken that we needed to walk in. <laughs> and I was like, thank you, God, for your provision. You knew exactly what we needed. And it was so beautiful that it came from such an intimate place that would mean something to us and that we would hold on to that word and that we would run with that word. Oh, my Lord. That's what honor looks like. Father says, this is my son whom I love and him I'm well pleased. I delight in the giftings and callings that are on his life, you know. I see sons and fathers saying this to each other, okay. Father saying that to a son, but a son also saying that to a father. You are a spiritual father to me. I need you. I need you. I want your words. You are important to me. You carry the gift of God that I need. Woo! You have fathers and sons, sons and fathers, mothers and daughters, daughters and mothers, saying these things to each other. Walking in this restoration of honor, how does the, the kingdom not expand from that? Right? This is what is happening. This is what's so beautiful. Do you know that there was three generations up here? There was actually three generations up here. They were working together, weren't they? It was really pretty. It was really beautiful. And you know what they were doing with each other? They were honoring what God was saying in each one. I honor the gift of God that I receive in you. And I'm thankful. I need you. I need you, I need you, I need you. We need, our kids need to know that we need them. The fathers need to know that the sons need them. My son calls me up on the phone, and I'm right there. What do you need, Josh? I need to know that he needs me. I matter to him. You all matter. You all matter to each other. Each generation, each generation matters to the other generations. And God, that is my desire. 
God. God. Would you stand with me this morning? Father God, I just thank you. We say, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Your will is so good. It's so beautiful. It's so perfect. Restoring the hearts of the fathers to the sons. Lord, I thank you that that it's not just a turning anymore, but it's a releasing of honor that you are desiring for, for this time. Lord, you are coming back to a bride without spot or blemish. No flaws. There's no flaws. We don't look like the world. We're not, we've never meant, we were never meant to look like the world. Lord, we thank you that you've called us to walk with you in all of these things. And so this morning, I, I, just, I just receive that place, that identity again for this house right here. In Tyler, Texas, Father, I receive that identity in Jesus' name. We receive the identity that you have called us as sons and daughters of the Most High God, that you desire us, that you delight in us, that you need us. And, Father God, we thank you for that identity that we have. But we not only have that identity, but we carry that identity and we release that identity. We help others walk in their identity because we allow them to come into that same place with us. Lord God, we pray that we would make the most of every single opportunity on this planet. Lord and God, we would restore honor. And even people that do not know you yet, Lord God, I thank you that you bring us into their lives to help us restore them into the place of identity that you want them to walk in. That is your, not your will that any should perish, but all should walk in the identity of sonship and the identity of a daughter of God. That all would prophesy. Oh, God. Lord, I even speak that over even Paul was saying that, that he, as he was teaching. You know, all can prophesy. Just do it one by one. Lord, I thank you. All shall prophesy. Lord, we just declare this over this house, that you are prophesying identity. You are prophesying significance. You are prophesying purpose. Lord, that your words are spoken as of the utterance of the Holy Spirit. God, we give you our mouths. We give you our hearts. We give you our minds, our lives, our souls. We give everything to you. Lord, let us walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh. We walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, we walk with you in all things. And God, Father, we thank you for the restoration of this culture of honor as you, as it delights you in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, Jesus, 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 thank you. I'm going to ask ministry team to come forward. If, if you need prayer for anything this morning, if God's just really stirring your heart for something you just want to, I need to pray with and agree with and seal this word, I just ask you to just to come up and we want to pray with you this morning. So God, thank you. I, I Speak blessing over each one. May grace, peace, and mercy be with them both now and forevermore. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. You are dismissed to be amazing <laughs> in the Spirit of God. Amen. If you need prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray with you.